Today I want to talk to you about an old man. I'm using the first part of the second reading because, um, I, I, you know, I think all of us in some way or another identify a lot about what, what stage of life we're in. And um, being 73, this, this part of St. Paul's letter to Timothy really uh, spoke to me a lot. Listen to this for just far, first part. Beloved, I am already being poured out like a libation, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have competed well. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, a crown of righteousness awaits me, which the Lord, the just judge, will award to me on the day, on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearance. What you're hearing is the words of a man who is at the very end of his life. And it's an interesting um, expression because I think when all of us live our lives, you always look back. And you look back and you say, what did I do? What was it? What was it that I lived for? Um, and what Paul is doing as he is getting towards the end of his life, he's looking at what he has spent his life for. I think a lot of us do that. A lot of us um, look back, even when you're younger, you look back at your years and you say, what have I done? What's the, what's the point? What was this all about? And you know, it's, it's an interesting moment of judgment. What I say by judgment is because in the culture that we live in, we are encouraged to do what I think is the opposite of what it is our created nature to do. <clears throat> Let me explain it this way. I, I always looked, have looked at the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution with a tremendous amount of admiration. I'm, a, I'm an immigrant. Um, I came to the United States when I was 10 years old from Cuba. And I have grown to love this country. And uh, it's, you know, it's, I, one of the ways that I like to express it is it, you know, if you can move to France, for example, and live there, but you're never going to be a Frenchman. You can move to Italy and live there, but you're never going to be Italian. And you can go on and say that about every other country in this world, except the United States. You can move to the United States and live there, and you will be an American. Because an American is part of an idea. It's not necessarily uh, an, 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 a um, statement about where you're from. It's that you participate in an idea.
But there is one part of the founding documents that every time I hear it, 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 I, I cringe, I cringe. And it's part of the Declaration of Independence. And I won't go through the whole declaration because I, I, find, I find it extremely interesting to, to ponder upon. But there's one part of the declaration that's, for me, cringe-worthy. And the part, the part, the declaration, the part that I want to comment on starts with this way. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, and that among these are the rights to life, to liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Just stop there. Now let's, let me look at just those three enumerated three rights. The right to life, the life to liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The right to life, that is, it goes without saying. We have, every human being has a right to life. And by the way, just, just as an aside, one mistake that the signers of the Declaration of Independence made in, is when they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident. They are not self-evident. Um, if you read ancient history or if you read other cultures, the self-evidence of the importance of the individual is not there. In ancient Rome, they did not consider that all men are created equal. And uh, in India, with the caste system, all are not created equal. People who lived under, with slavery did not consider that everybody was created equal. So, but that's another issue. But listen to the, to the right to life. Yes, that's Christian. That comes from the fact that God creates each one of us in his image and likeness. That's the right to life. No one has the right in, it's inalienable. No, you know what that means also? It also means that you can't even not give it up yourself. You have no right to sell yourself into slavery. It's inalienable. You can't, you can't push it apart from you. The right to life, the right to liberty, that we are created free and human beings, and God has made us free. Great. All that is great. But here comes, and the pursuit of happiness. Now that's the one that makes me cringe. It makes me cringe. Why? I think you can interpret it in a particular way that can be understood. But I think the way it is most interpreted, think about it. I have never met anyone who pursued happiness and found it. Happiness cannot be pursued. Happiness is a byproduct of what you do. It is not an end in itself. The problem with the images that that brings up and the culture that we in the United States have interpreted as is that it makes an image of the more I get, the happier I will be. Um, 
There's a there's a, a cartoon or a meme a long, that I saw a long time ago that has a mountain of consumer goods, just a mountain of consumer goods, bicycles, cars, you know, dresses, suits, all kinds of stuff. It's all a mountain. And under it says, the one who has the bigger pile when they die wins. And really, that's satire because that is the ultimate lie. The ultimate lie is... No matter how much you have at the end of your life, you're taking none of it with you. Absolutely none of it. Right? And so what happens is that in the culture that we're in, you get things, little mottos like, I don't know if you've ever heard the abbreviation YOLO. A lot of people don't use it these days. I think it was popular five, ten years ago. But YOLO means you only live once. Okay? I, I, every time I say that, it reminds me of in the 60s, there was a commercial for Schlitz beer. And the commercial was this, this uh, I guess it was a helicopter. I don't think they had drones in those days. But they had a helicopter coming down. And you could see in the middle of the ocean this beautiful sailboat. And as the camera got closer, you saw the people. There were six beautiful people. They never put ugly people in this sailboat. And they were all in their bikinis and they're showing their musculature and everything. And then the voiceover would come and say, you only go around once in life, so you got to grab for all the gusto that you can get. And then a man would be shown reaching down into a cooler and pulling out a can of Schlitz. And that can of Schlitz, he would just go. And his face, oh, his face was like he had encountered God in the Schlitz. You know, he had grabbed for all the gusto that you could get. That's our culture. That's our culture. And we still do that. We still believe in the bigger house, the bigger this, the bigger that. But notice the vision, of, the vision of an older person that Paul is giving you. Beloved, I am already pour, being poured out like a libation and the time, of my, the time of my departure is at hand. What is a libation? I looked it up. I mean, we always use the word libations almost in jokes. You know, you have any libations, you know, meaning you got any booze, you know, somewhere. But a libation is actually a religious thing. It's actually a religious offering. And if you look up, look up under Wikipedia, look up the word libation. And it always refers to the pouring out of usually wine, although it can be grain or other things, but it pouring out as the final act of a sacrifice. And so you can imagine a person standing before the altar of a sacrifice and taking wine and just pouring it out over the, uh, the, the altar. Now, Paul is imagining 
the end of his life as a pouring out. Notice that it's the opposite of, I've had everything I ever wanted. It's not about filling me. Paul understood that no matter how much he got, as a matter of fact, he came to one point, I can't remember in the scriptures where it is, but Paul says, I consider everything that I have had as rubbish compared to the, to the wealth of knowing Christ. You know, I, I brought this up just a few day, weeks ago, I think, about, God, it's been now 24 years now, when I was first assigned to St. Cyril's, I decided one Sunday to, um, to have the parishioners at a mass do something um, that I thought was interesting. I said, go to the person next to you and share with that person what it is that you are most thankful for. And of course, everybody turned to each other and they were sharing with each other what they were thankful for. And I was alone up here like I am now and I was wanting to pair up with somebody. And right there, there was a man, an old man sitting down right there. And he's passed away now. Uh, his name was Herschel. Herschel Nixon. And I could see that Herschel was not well uh, because he had the, the tremors that are associated with um, Parkinson's disease. And so I thought, well, let me go down and talk to Herschel. And so I went up to him and I said, Herschel, so what are you the most thankful for? And Herschel looked at me and I was waiting for, you know, my grandkids, my kids, my wife, something like that. And Herschel said to me, beady blue eyes, he said, my Parkinson's father. I'm thankful for my Parkinson's. And I looked at him, I said, what? I'm thankful for my Parkinson's. And I said, why? And he said, Father, ever since I've had the Parkinson's, I have had to struggle in coming closer to God so I can bear it. And Father, the transformation that has occurred in me and the closeness that I've gotten to God as a result of struggling with this cross of my Parkinson's, I would not ever want to give up the treasure that I have encountered and received as a result of my struggle with this illness. I hold that as the greatest treasure of my life. I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. You see, what Herschel had come to understand is that only when you pour yourself out do you find who you really are. Paul had spent his entire life, his entire life, working for the proclamation of the gospel. He had poured himself out. 
for the proclamation. He had endured beatings. He had endured all kinds of things. It was not about him. It was always about the gospel. And he understood that the meaning of life, the real happiness, the real pursuit of happiness, is when you pour yourself out instead of grab for all the gusto that you can get. And it's interesting because when you, when you, when you hear the consecration, listen very closely when I hold up the wine because the wine says, take all of you and drink of this. This is the cup of the new covenant. This is the cup of my blood, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. What did Jesus do? He poured himself out. He did not deem equality with God. He poured himself out for us. And so what stands in stark contrast for me is the, con the concept, the misunderstanding of the pursuit of happiness. That the pursuit of happiness really is about what have you poured out your life for? What have you poured out your life for? Because ultimately, you know, folks, I, I've, been a, I've been a priest 45, 44, 45 years. I've been a priest 45 years. I've been next to a lot of people who are dying, a lot of people who are dying. Do you know that not a single one have I ever heard say, Father, Father, bring me my Gucci. Bring me my Gucci. I want to embrace my Gucci. Or give me the keys to my Lexus, Father. I want to touch them before I die. Not one. I think they all look around and they go, what, what was, what's this all about? What was it? Why? And I think when people are dying, they don't ask why they're dying. I think they ask why they had lived. That's what you ultimately ask for. Why did you live? What was the meaning of your life? And if our lives are just about taking stuff in, why did you live? It's empty. You're taking none of that with you. But what did you pour your life out for? That is what you will take with you. The quality with which you have loved. And so, I just want to leave you with that, you know, and, and listen to that to the end of this. Um, but the part of my departure is at hand. I have competed well. Notice, he doesn't say I won. He just says, I competed well. I have finished the race. Didn't win the race. He just finished it. Just finished it. Because that's the purpose of it. From now on, the crown of righteousness awaits me. Why are we doing this? If St. Paul once said, if Christ is not risen from the dead, we are the most pitied of all people. Why? Because we're doing this because we have a longing for happiness. 
The pursuit of happiness is correct, but the pursuit of happiness is means of pouring yourself out and not st st sucking stuff in, which the Lord will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearance. So I just want to end, just want to end with asking you to consider what is it that you are pouring your life out for? Are you pouring your life out? And it can be anything. I, I remember my mom who poured her life out for her kids. And even when she was older, and she still kept pouring her life out. She used to, mom used to, in her, in her late 70s, she was a visitor to the men's prison. She used to love going there because they all considered her, her their grandma and so everybody treated her beautifully but she was pouring herself out for that so the question really is as you all of us approach the time of our departure what will you be looking at that you have poured yourself out for how what is the libation that will be your life it's, a, it's, a, it's the central question because ultimately, and <clears throat> please understand this, and I'll say this last, even if you come to the conclusion that you've screwed up your whole life, don't ever forget that my favorite saint is Saint Dismas. Saint Dismas is the good thief. The man who had screwed up his entire life and was the first canonized saint because you can't get more canonized than Jesus saying to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It's the only saint canonized before he died. So don't worry if you've screwed it up. You still have that moment to pour yourself out to God even at the last moment of your life.